With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Authentic You Radio, and thank you for joining us today on Living Astrology, where we are tapping into the magic of the cosmos for practical guidance and wisdom with your host, Janet Hickox, intuitive astrologer and numerologer. and welcome to Living Astrology. I'm your host, Janet Hickox, and I want to thank you all for listening today. We actually have a jam-packed show with a lot of astrological aspects occurring in the sky. We have tons to talk about. And I bet that you've all been feeling sort of crazy by turns um, over the last several days. I know I have. Uh, I don't know about all of you, but for sure I've been feeling by turns sort of giddy with excitement, like something exciting is about to happen. And then for no reason I turn anxious, and my sleep patterns have been all messed up this week uh, for no apparent reason. And uh, I have had the the weirdest, wildest dreams I think I've had in a very long time. Um, It's no doubt that there are messages coming up from deep within my subconscious mind. Uh, They're without a doubt being triggered by the transits of the planets uh, because, of course, as above, so below. Almost every week uh, I pull a card before the radio show goes live just to get an idea of what the energies are going to be like uh, and any messages that I might need to, to share with my listeners. And often I don't share that. It's just often coming up as a, a message for me. But today's message uh, I thought was worthy of sharing with everybody because it seemed to me that it was meant for everybody. And I was using the deck The Wisdom of Avalon by Colette Baron reed and the card I drew was the spider. And the keywords for the spider are creative projects. And the card reads, the spider reminds you that you have within you the gift to create meaningful, purposeful work. Within you is an artist waiting to be expressed. Think about this. Do you write in a journal each day? Do you draw, paint, cook, or play music? Do you realize that everything you do on a daily basis is an act of co-creation with the divine? The spider signals that it's time to be aware of your responsibility for the creations in your life. Maybe you need to rethink an issue and apply your inner artist to find a solution. If you're unhappy with anything, ask yourself, how can I create a better, more productive, and loving experience for myself and others? Whether you see yourself as an artist or not, you're always co-creating with the divine. You are the architect of your own happiness and fulfillment. What life are you building? Don't just sit there. This is your time to create. I just loved this card because I know that it is meaningful for everybody out there in light of some of the very interesting transits that are happening. And uh, before I get into that, though, today my guest is going to be Nick Dagan-Best. He's the author 
of a fascinating graphic novel that at least I found it fascinating uh, called Uranus USA, and and he himself is an exoteric astrologer. And what's that, you may be asking? Well, when I bring Nick on, I'm sure we're going to ask him because I want to know too. But first, let's run down the ongoing list of transits that are occurring this week and into the next. Um, I'm going to actually start with Monday, the 22nd of July, even though uh, that was earlier in this week. Uh, As the sun moved into Leo on the 22nd, and it was soon followed by the the full moon in Aquarius just a few hours later. And I don't know about you all, but where I am, the moon was spectacular. Even last night, I uh, happened to to walk past a window um, uh, just maybe half an hour or so after sunset. And when I came back, I could see this egg-shaped, bright orange body rising uh, in the eastern sky. And, I mean, it took my breath away. I I went and got everybody in the house to just come and look out the window so they could see what I was seeing because it was just spectacular and beautiful. On that same day, Venus, the planet of of love and beauty and harmony, uh, she moved out of the sign of Leo and into Virgo, where she'll be until August 16th. So love now takes on a more earthy and sensual uh, characteristic, but be very careful not to get nitpicky or critical of your loved ones, as that is one of the characteristics or the negative sides of uh, Virgo's transit or a transit of a planet in Virgo. Uh, we're going to spend a bit of time talking today about Mars, which we haven't talked about Mars in a long time because it's really not been a major player. Uh, in the, in the uh, astrological front, there have been other things that are more important going on. But in the week from July 22nd to the end of the month, July 31st, Mars moving in Cancer right now first conjuncts Jupiter, uh, which it did on the 22nd, and then opposes Pluto on the 27th, on Saturday, and then squares Uranus on the 31st. So Mars right now is getting ready to play into the ongoing Uranus-Pluto square. So be on the lookout for things like power struggles between people, uh, the possibility of secrets being revealed, uh, action and forward momentum, passions being raised to uh, the nth degree. Um, Three words that I want everybody to keep in mind, evolution, rebellion, and revolution. Yikes, no wonder I've been feeling anxiety building up inside of me over the last several days. All these things are building and building. And then, of course, on Monday, probably the most spectacular um, configuration since I've been an astrologer that I've noted is the grand sextile. And as I was looking at this on a, on the, uh, on a chart that I drew up for us on the West Coast, anyway, of the United States, Um, I noticed that this particular configuration, number one, it's beautiful. It has a lot of connections to it, Um, a lot of different lines crisscrossing and creating beautiful patterns like the kite and the mystic rectangle and beautiful uh, equilateral uh, triangles. And um, it happened to remind me of the iris of the eye or of the lens of a camera and how Uh, when it looks when it's fully opened. And I thought that that was rather appropriate um, to the idea of being fully aware and fully uh, engaged in the energies of what are going on for us in this coming week. 
And, in fact, I found that this was so important, I sort of got a nudge from, you know, my unseen uh, guides last night to uh, produce a a uh, conference call on this Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, it is completely free, and we're going to talk all about the um, this grand sextile or Star of David, its uh, its meaning, and we're actually going to dive into a channeled meditation from a very dear friend of mine and a previous guest on my show, Cleo Buffew. Uh, she's going to tap into the Akashic Records and see if you know what is going on for us in the grand scheme of things as it relates to this. So if you're um, if you're able to, uh, I will uh, have the phone number and the time and everything on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash living astrology. And you can get all the details of the call, what time, and uh, it's completely free. I just want all of us to be able to participate in that. And as well, of course, the um, the astronomy of the times right now is that uh, of Mercury, Mars, and Jupiter are a visible are visible in the dawn sky about 30 minutes before sunrise uh, in the west. And uh, Jupiter, of course, will be the brightest of the of the three, and Mars next, and Mercury probably the dimmest. It's the first time we've been able to see Mercury in a bit. And then Venus is also in the in the sky at sunset on the western horizon. And you'll be able to see Venus because, of course, she is the brightest thing in the sky besides the moon right now. And she will set about, oh, 30 to 45 minutes after the sun sets. So you want to get out there and see her right away. And then Saturn is also in, uh, visible in the night sky right now, in the western sky, from sunset to about midnight, sparkling up there in the south, in the south and the west. And now I'm going to go back to those three words that I gave you earlier, evolution, rebellion, and revolution. And now I'd like to bring on my guest, Nick Dagan-Best, as he is the author of the book Uranus USA, and I hope I'm saying that right, Nick. He you is are, actually. I'm impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Nick is an exoteric astrologer, using stories from famous lives to illustrate how each individual's horoscope reflects life events and changes over the years. He has been a student of astrology since 1995, and he's known as the human ephemeris for his uncanny knowledge of dates in history and their corresponding astrological features. Welcome to Living Astrology, Nick. Oh, well, thank you, Janet. Thanks very much for having me. I've been really excited to talk to you because, you know, the planet Uranus is one of those, it's one of my favorites. And... uh, (laughs) probably because I just sort of love that idea of rebellion or of revolution, the energies that can carry us into new territory. And, right. uh, yeah, originally, listeners, I had contacted Nick to, to do a show around the 4th of July because uh, I think it was Chris Brennan, another astrologer, that actually uh, told me about you, Nick. Oh, and Because okay. um, I was looking for someone who had knowledge about the, the chart of the United States of America. And, of course, as soon as I, I looked at uh, the work that you were doing with this, in this particular novel, I, I was hooked. It didn't matter that it was specific to, um, you know, the entire chart of the United States. This seemed to encapsulate everything about us. So yeah. 
So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about you? How did you come to be an astrologer, um, your background, and, and that type of thing? How did you get on this path? Um, well, like you mentioned, I, I'm uh, I'm sort of calendar obsessed. Um, before I ever discovered astrology, um, I, I was one of those people, you've probably known them uh, in your own life, people who um, memorize calendar dates. I just sort of have a natural aptitude. It's something that runs in my family. Uh, my grandmother was like that, and uh, if my brother, for instance, were an astrologer, he'd be another human ephemeris type of astrologer like myself. Um, it's just sort of an aptitude for calendar dates. Uh, I've, I've always been a, a big uh, sort of history buff, amateur historian, if you will, uh, and calendar dates just sort of stick in my mind. <laughs> Long after I've forgotten just about anything else uh, that you know important that I should maybe remember, uh, for some reason calendar dates just sort of stay with me. And astrology, um, you know, strip it of all the stuff we give to it. Strip it of uh, of of of, uh, of everything, but it's sort of bare essence. And astrology is at its root basically a calendar. Um, a very uh-huh. elab- a very elaborate uh you know uh um uh, calendar one that that assigns a, a very a unique sort of quality to every moment in in human history but it is a calendar um and you know in the same way that that the the the, the same the solar calendar that we use in society is just a way of following the sun uh, uh make one revolution you know from a, a geocentric perspective uh, across the the four, the four uh, solstice and equinoctial points, um, you can do the same thing with any of the other planets, and then look at them all together, and that's you know bingo, you've got astrology. Um, so as a as a historian, I've always liked playing with astrology uh, in this in this context as a sort of uh, um, big interesting calendar uh, that that does. Uh, uh, reveal astrology's power just just in in you know uh, in this context alone, uh, which which brings us to you know what the, the the book is about and what the book does, which is really a sort of calendar account, if you will, um, or one piece of the calendar. Well, now you know I just realized that you're calling in today from Montreal, Canada. Does that make you a Canadian? Are you Canadian by birth? I- I, I was born in, and raised in Montreal. Yeah. yeah, I have a Canadian passport. Yeah, that is so interesting to me because <laughs> I mean I could not, as a U.S. citizen, have come up with half of the information that you come up with in this book as far as our history of our revolution and the other yeah. points in history that you point to. That is absolutely fascinating. How did you, how did you get you know attracted to to American history like this? Well, you know, it's a good question. I I, um, I study a lot of history using astrology. I mean, I've done a lot of work with the British royal family and other European royal families. Uh, I've I've studied Russian history, French history, uh, um, you know, uh, all kinds of the Mexican history, uh, and of course, uh, I'm I'm very deeply interested in the history of my my hometown, Montreal. Um, but um, ma- writing my first book. Uh, about American history really has a lot to do specifically with Uranus. Um, so it wasn't like I set out thinking, well, I've got to write my first book and I really want to write about the United States because I have a particular affinity for its history. That wasn't the case at all. Um, I, I, you know, I do study a lot of American history, but alongside a sort of geopolitical 
uh, context where I study a lot of different nations' histories, you know, even China, Japan, mm-hmm. India. Um, but Uranus, the history of Uranus being the sort of the first modern planet, uh, and its discovery in, in 1781, the same year that the American Revolution ended, um, it provided me with an excellent, both a, an astrological and a storytelling tool in which I could um, discuss the, the, the discovery of Uranus and its introduction to astrology alongside the, the uh, emergence of this very new kind of nation in the world that came about after the American Revolution. Um, there's there's a, a, a sort of a linear link between the two, which I could get into. And then there's also just, you know, as a storyteller, it's... it's um, it's a wonderful device to be able to sort of uh, discuss two separate histories in a sort of uh, uh, parallel fashion, the way I do in this book. So it, it really it came down to Uranus and, and the United States, the, the introduction of the United States of America as a nation on the planet uh, being coincidental with the discovery of the planet Uranus and all the things that the, the introduction of the United States has, has you know, brought to the world. Uh, right, um, the whole thing. The whole thing of, is really interesting. I mean, the whole, the way that you lay this out in the book is just, uh, it, it's unbelievable. It was just so. Maybe it's all my, you know, my left brain going. Yes, yes, <laughs> these dates make sense. All of this makes perfect sense. Right, um, right. But did you have a particular love of the planet Uranus? I mean, were you particularly drawn to that planet for any reason, or? Frankly, no. I. I <laughs> it was just uh, that connection just, between the two it, being discovered and. Yeah, it made sense. The, the the reason I started with Uranus was really because I wanted to talk about the tropical zodiac. Uh, right. For people who for people who who followed my my you know even though this is my first book I've written articles and and done a lot of presentations around um, well all over the United States for instance um, talking about uh, I'm I'm generally a sort of Venus and Mars guy if you talk about favorite planets. Uh, and future books I write will be about them, although I still have a lot more to say about Uranus as well. But Uranus was the perfect planet to use to talk about the tropical zodiac. It's got an 84-year cycle around the, the, the 12 signs of the zodiac. It's been seven years in each of those 12 signs. And so um, it, 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 it was that's the, sort of a, the right amount of time. It spends the right amount of time, not too long, not too short, in any of the given signs where I can really talk about an era, if you will, a seven-year yeah. era during which Uranus occupies a given sign. Um, so it, it was really, it, was, it just came down to um, wanting to, you know, that this book is the first in what's going to be a long series, hopefully, of astrology <laughs> graphic novels that I'm going to do. Uh, and I wanted to start off with a very simple story and a, with a very simple concept. Um, and so just talking about a planet being in a sign, that is, being in this sort of this one little zone of a circle uh, and and revisiting that little zone, if you will, um, every 84 years for a seven-year stretch and looking at uh, a period in history, you know, these, these sort of every, looking at that, that little cycle, if you will, uh, relative to something else, in this case, American history. Um, because as you know, and as, as you, and, you know, only people who uh, read the book so far would know. Um, Uranus USA is about the transit of Uranus through Gemini, through tropical Gemini. 
Uh, and so every 84 years for seven years, Uranus is in Gemini. And the last three times that Uranus has happened to pass through Gemini have coincided perfectly with the periods of the American Revolution, the American Civil War, and American involvement in the Second World War, uh, leading up to the early part of the Cold War, um, which is basically the, the the three chapters of this book uh, uh, is an account of those yeah, three yeah. periods in history. Uh, so there's something very sort of organic about it all. Uh, um, you know, I just sort of looked at what was going on in the United States in those three periods. They happen to be uh, arguably three of the most uh, um, pivotal periods in the nation's history, where, it, where by the end of it, the, the United States wound up redefining itself. Um, I'd say if there's anything sort of consistent, I mean, uh, um, about those three periods, they have to do with war, obviously, uh, but uh, more sort of personally to the nation, I think it has to do with the United States sort of reinventing itself, redefining what it is. Uh, yeah, instance, and I, I kind of got an emergence theme in here, too. I mean, it, yes. it's how yeah. uh, the United States emerges into the world with a democracy, uh, the yeah. first of its kind in, you know, his living history at that time. And then how the Civil War then even redefines uh, the position of the United States in the world. And then the third part, you know, coming into, you know, more modern times, uh, how that plays into uh, the way we are in the world now as, you know, as what becomes uh, the world's only superpower after right. uh, the fall of the, the Soviet Union. Before. So it's really an interesting trip to go through here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I can yeah, see no, why you were fascinated with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I knew I had a really simple story I could tell that even people who didn't know anything about astrology could probably get. You know, um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a it's a simple idea. You're you're just you're you're looking at three relatively random periods in history that are guided only by this one planetary cycle and this one little sort of sliver, if you will, this one twelfth of a, of a planetary cycle. Uh, and 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 just how it sort of astoundingly coincides with these monumental uh, um, events in history, uh, I, I I I saw a story there, and and more than anything, I wanted to use astrology to write sort of a, a, a historical story to to to, yeah. to use you know use it as a storytelling device, which I think was absolutely brilliant. Uh, I'm going to take a break here for just a moment, Nick, and let my listeners who are just now joining us that today we are talking with astrologer Nick Dagenbest, who is the author of the book Uranus USA. And today we are not going to be taking uh, callers for readings. However, if you have questions, we would love to hear from you. The call-in number is 917-889-3818. And Nick, we actually have a caller on the line. Are you ready to um, to address a question, perhaps, from someone? Sure thing. All right. So, Jeff, if you'd bring in Lindsay. Uh, Hello. Hi, Lindsay. How are you today? Good. How are you? Very good. I'm Thank sorry. You. My friend has he's playing a movie in the background. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> what are you watching? How? Anything good? <laughs> he's watching Taken too. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm okay. like, okay. It's a lot of action stuff. Let me go outside. Okay. But, right. but I was saying today, um, with the 
the transit, like, what what is Uranus like? Is it like a fire or is it more, because I'm like kind of into that kind of stuff, or how does it affect you, like, overall as a sign? Um, uh, well, Nick, do you want to address that? <laughs> um, well, Uranus isn't really a sign. It's a planet. Um, well, I know it's a planet, so, but. Yeah. Um, and um, the the thing about a planet is when it when it goes from sign to sign, uh, it does sort of it it does something to the sign, and and at the same time the sign does something to it. Um, I I so it, it to to describe it um, overall like like a you know how does it affect each and every single person um, is is I I t- I tend to stay away from that kind of generalization because right. uh, um, it, it, it's it's constantly changing what it changing. is. Changing. I got um, you. At, the, at, at the beginning, Janet was talking about, uh, uh, you know, there, there are some keywords that get, get thrown around with, you know, relative to Uranus, like revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you certainly, I mean, it, it, you know, insofar as it, it, you see it in my book and certainly insofar as we see it in the world today, um, you can see the reason for that. Um, it's like a change. Very... It's just an ongoing change of everything. Absolutely. Is that right? Yeah. It's, yeah. I think the, the the introduction of Uranus at the end of the 18th century it had to do with the sort of the end of the Enlightenment and a and a modern world that was being created out of the American and the French revolutions and going into the Industrial Revolution. Okay. Um, so as it affects us as individuals. It has to do with our relationship with technology, which of course is constantly changing. Right. Um, you know that this, this, there's something about this podcast, for instance, that's uranium, uh, because Janet's in Washington State and I'm in Montreal, Canada, on the Eastern Seaboard, and I don't know where you are, Lindsay. But I'm in Cincinnati. I'm in Midwest, like Cincinnati, Ohio. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, so, so for the three of us that in you know three different parts of the continent, be having a conversation like this is, is right. uh, in its own way uranium. Um, okay. But these are these are very very broad terms, and and insofar as they uh, as the planet uh, uh, can be seen to change the lives of individual people, that's that's a there's a huge variety of of, of outcomes. Okay. Um, I, I I talk a lot. I've um, in Uranus USA, I do talk about the Uranus transits and the lives of people like John F. Kennedy and George mm-hmm. Bush and Patrick Henry and Abraham right. Lincoln. But they're just a handful of people, and they all happen to be, you know, American political figures. Um, right. I've studied I've studied the Uranus transits of over 300 well-known people because I've got a whole sort of series of Uranus. Well, that's books awesome. <laughs> and uh, and you can really see that that it's not about any specific outcome. I'd say if there's there's any sort of one thing you can say about an individual's Uranus transit is that it shows them during at the time of a transit a, a, an individual. Uh, winds up seeing life in a way they haven't seen it before. Uh, a new kind of truth is revealed to them, and uh, um, it tends to sort of be a, um, a shattering experience, but not always negative. Sometimes it's quite positive, but really sort of seeing the world for the way it is and not for the way that one thought it might be. Right. Okay. You know, Lindsay, when I do readings for individuals, I often uh, equate Uranus with a shift in perspective through some sort of aha moment or a right. surprising event, something that comes out of the blue that you didn't expect. And um, it often, to me, it seems in most people's charts that I've looked at, uh, at least the people who are aware enough to know, that, hey, something's going on in my life, 
mm-hmm. that Uranus can really show them the path of freedom. Okay. The way sure. that they can really get to their That's what true. my question kind of was. But no. I was just, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to get through. Because I heard you say Leo, and I'm a Leo, and the guy I was ah. seeing is Sagittarius, and we got together on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> and I hadn't I'm seen not... him for, uh, like, almost a month. So that's why it's oh. kind of like I'm wondering how it shifts into, like, I'm not – I got my little chart, but, you know, well, it's a printed out. Well, the Uranian moment. Uh, it could have been, I suppose, depending on, you know, where this is in your own chart. But my guess is that maybe more the fact that Jupiter and Mars together in Cancer may be bringing things to you from the past. Maybe it's Venus having moved through the last degree yeah. of Leo. Of the Leo. It, it, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, so that's why I was trying to figure things. out where where my chart's at. Kind of. I'm like, kind of look at my chart, but I just don't. I'm not. I can't figure that stuff out. I need to. <laughs> That's why there are astrologers, honey. <laughs> I know. I got it. All right. Lizzie, but you guys are you great. So okay. I don't want to take up too much time. Go ahead. No. Okay, thank you thank very you so. much. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you information. For, for talking to her. You know. Thank I, you very I, much. You're very welcome, honey. I was thinking about Uranus the other day, uh, Nick, because it's sitting very close to my midheaven. It's still, you know, at the ninth house part of this, but, you know, after it turns back to forward motion, I'm guessing it's going to move, you know, very rapidly then across my midheaven, which, of course, hasn't happened in my lifetime. So I was almost looking uh, at this with trepidation, uh, wondering, Uh and, you know, it almost sometimes feels like, you know, I know too much (laughs) as an astrologer. Uh, But, uh, yeah, yeah. as an astrologer, I, I, you know, I... I, I'm always aware, I guess, on some level of the transits that I happen to be having. But to be frank, I, I don't spend a lot of time agonizing over it. I try to live my life like a regular person who sort of, you know, wakes up and doesn't know what to expect from the day. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, and, and I've channeled my, my astrological focus um, on the on the past, on studying the past, and it's sort of, it's it's a way for me to get, to get into it at a great level of detail without sort of driving myself crazy, uh, which you know I I think is always something that that um, serious astrologers are prone to doing for themselves. <laughs> um, you know, at, yeah. at a certain at a certain point, I think I mean you know um, for for people like us who are who are using astrology on a on a daily basis, um, I think if we spent that amount of time just sort of looking at our own lives, our own charts, it would, you know, it, it, well, first of all, you won't really advance very far because astrology is so broad. You're not, you're really not going to learn much just from studying a chart. Um, and secondly, it's, it's not, you know, it, at, at some level it's going to become a, a, an unhealthy thing and, and, you know, astrology uh, can do more than that than just sort of, um, yeah, yeah. Provide it's actually you've got to take a step back so you can kind of look at the macro yeah. of, of of all the things yeah. that are interlocking here and how all of this is working together. Yeah. Um, you yeah. can't you yeah. can't take them you know piece by piece. That's that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to get back to to the writing of this book because my guess is that there was a ton of research that you had to do to get into this, right? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I just, I, I tend to research all the time. So, uh, as a matter of fact, I only decided to do this book the way I've done it at the end of last October, and then by February it was written. Uh, and since then, the big ordeal has been, you know, getting it printed, which it turns out is, it's harder to print a book than it is to write one. Uh, oh, although, <laughs> although, thankfully, that the print 
copy is finally coming out. Although, you know, to be uh, full disclosure, I really thought the print copy would be out a few months ago. So, um, but this being wow. my my first my first work, I've heard I've had to learn every step of the business along the way. Uh, so yeah. it won't be like that with the second book. Um, but in in other words, the research behind it um, is is just sort of it's a culmination of 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 work I've been doing for well over a decade. Uh, and I've, you know, I've got a lot of, it, it, you know, the, the American angle that I put into this book is just sort of a sliver of a, of a broader view that I've taken of using um, uh, history to look, uh, you know, astrology to look at history or, or vice versa. Um, so yeah, it is. I mean, it is a lot of, it is a lot of research, but that sort of just comes second nature to me. Uh, doing, doing, you know, putting together a text that I think people are going to be able to follow. Uh, and and doing the artwork and, and the diagrams and all that stuff that was uh, uh, more of a challenge than than the research itself, which just kind of, kind of <laughs> comes second nature to me. Um, and and the Uranus and Gemini story with the United States, I'm you know I'm not the first astrologer to notice this. I've had conversations over the years. I think a lot of uh, what we call mundane astrologers, astrologers who study. Uh, uh, you know, events uh, in, in in human history and, and contemporary history. Um, a lot of them, are, are, you know, were aware of this Uranus and Gemini co- you know, correlation with with these three amazing periods in American history. Um, but I, you know, I, I I took the extra step, not just in, in turning it into a book, but also looking into the lives of all these different people involved in these three eras and looking at how Uranus related to them. Um, Which I think is probably the most fascinating part of this journey that you took, uh, yeah, because yeah. you mean, know to see how that p- particular planet played out not only in the birth of a nation uh, and you know its growing pains throughout time, but how the individuals involved were affected by this as well. Right. I you mean, know, how many without people... the individuals, there wasn't a revolution, right? I mean, they, yeah, they exactly. go hand in hand. Exactly. So exactly. perfect. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of natal astrology in the book, even though it's really a work of sort of mundane astrology. Um, and and I think I think I you know I came up with some pretty juicy little nuggets of natal astrology uh, uh, to to pat myself on the back. There's there's some interesting <laughs> stuff about about things like solar returns in this book. Um, you know, there's 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 something that that was. In the in the solar return of Thomas Paine in 1776, Abraham Lincoln in 1860, and and Franklin Roosevelt in 1941, uh, that that's uh, you know a, a, a really strong connection. I mean, something that that was a one in 84 chance of happening, and it happened in their solar returns for those particular years, years when they were sort of the the spokesmen and advocates for for you know the emerging crisis that you know of their times. Uh, there's, yeah. there's interesting stuff like that, and also just all the all the all the people with natal sun in Gemini that I talk about, from uh, King George the Third to to Patrick Henry to uh, um, uh, you know John F. Kennedy and George Bush, who both fought in the Second World War. Um, there, there's some interesting stuff there that that gives people an idea of what uh, uh, Uranus transits to the natal sun uh, uh, can be about. I do, so yeah, I, yeah. yeah. So, so even though it's even though it's kind of uh, uh, this this historical work, it does get into a lot of personal angles to astrology as well. 
which I'm, I'm pretty happy uh, yeah, about. Yeah, and, you know, I'm a sun sign Gemini, so, of course, this is fascinating to me. I mean, oh, anything, okay. Information-wise, you know, I want to know, curiosity. Yeah. I always tell people yeah. I pull threads, right? I just like to go from one thing to another. So in your book, I mean, it's absolutely fascinating to me how you can put that vast knowledge together, all these different pieces, and mm. and paint a picture with it. So. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, before we go too much further here, Nick, tell our, our listeners here today how they can get a copy of this book. Uh, we'll, we'll also state it again. But uh, okay. your contact well, information, how can they find out more about you and where do they get your book? Well, my website is, is my name, nickdaganbest.com. Uh, so if you check out nickdaganbest.com, N-I-C-K-D-A-G-A-N-B-E-S-T.com, You'll arrive at my website. Uh, from there, there's you know there's a tab where you can read a little biography about me, and there's also a tab where you can um, order either a neat book copy, uh, you know, a, a sort of a digital copy of the book, or you can pre-order the print book, which is going to be uh, available in sort of the second week of August. It'll be shipped out the print copy finally. Um, so if you want to pre-order a print copy, you can also do that. Uh, at the print copy, I, I found myself. I loved the the digital copy that I got. That that's perfect. But I am definitely going to order the print copy because I just want to be able to to admire the pictures. <laughs> yeah, I think it is it, it is that kind of book. A lot of people feel that way. There have been a few people who've bought the the ebook, but also uh, uh, have have mentioned that they want the the print copy as well because it is. It is visual. It's full color. Uh, yeah. it, 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 it looks nice, and it's, it's, it is the kind of book I think a lot of people are going to want the, 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 the print copy of. Yeah, I, so I, I agree. I'm, I'm glad it's finally going to come. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, I have a question here, you know, about the energy of Uranus in Gemini. Is yeah. there something that you see that's particular, that, that that particular configuration is particularly suited to either the United States or to the, the kind of energies of revolution and so forth? Well, you know, I think that when it comes to Uranus in Gemini, I think what I think we're seeing is a weird form of imitation. Um it's it's sort of, you know, um, Mark Twain said, I quote him at the end of the book, Mark Twain said, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. Um, and <laughs> yeah. there's something about, I mean, you see it in the in the book just in terms of how I've laid out the story, um, but I, I, I don't necessarily sort of draw a really specific picture of it. But um, there's something about Uranus and Gemini that has to do with imitating things. Um, if you think about the American Revolution, for instance, they were they were having their revolution against who? Great Britain. Well, it, you know, the last time Uranus had been in Gemini before the American Revolution, 84 years earlier, back in the late 1600s, that was the period of Britain's glorious revolution where, you know, they, they uh, ended the reign of Catholic kings and all this stuff, sort of the aftermath right, of, their, right. of, of their civil war. So they had had their own revolution and, and had sort of put already, you know, dealt with their issues with their monarchy, a whole Uranus cycle before the United States did. And in some ways, the American Revolution, there's, there's something very ironic about rebelling against the monarchy or against a system that itself was born out of, a, out of its own revolution. Um, and then when you go to the American Civil War, you know, to, to, to some, I mean, I talk about Jefferson Davis in the book, um, who was a Gemini, who had Uranus conjunct his son in Gemini when he became president of the Confederacy. 
And, um, you know, regardless of where you sort of stand on, 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 on the, the Civil War, if you put yourself in the Confederate shoes, they really saw themselves as, well, we're just sort of, you know, the new American revolutionaries. Uh, Jefferson Davis certainly saw himself as a, uh, you know, he would have preferred to have been a, a general rather than a president. But he saw, you know, as far as he was concerned, he was like a, a, a George Washington or a Patrick Henry. He was just sort of standing up. Uh, uh, for his his independent region to to have more sort of political power. In other words, the, the, you know, from a Confederate point of view, uh, the the American Civil War is, is sort of an American Revolution Part Two or a, or a sequel of of some sort. Yeah, um, exactly. And of course, if you jump ahead to the Second World War, well, that that is literally a sequel to the previous World War, the First World War, which had occurred when Uranus was in Aquarius, another air sign. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people commented about there's a lot of things about the Second World War that were just sort of repetitions of the First World War. Um, Which then takes that imitation idea, you know, to another step there. Exactly, exactly. There's all kinds of imitation going on. So I think, you know, whether it comes to, you know, whether whether it has to do with the United States or with the world at large, there is something about Uranus and Gemini that has to do with with imitating, with with, uh, sort of revisiting... A, a, a past historical event and redoing it in a different way, um, and and it, I mean it is sort of mystifying. Although I, I, you know, I guess in terms of how we see Gemini, it's not entirely inconsistent. Um, it's certainly a very sort of mercurial Gemini, being one of the signs ruled by Mercury. Uh, one of the things that you expect from Mercury is, is that kind of imitation. But uh, I'd say you know it, it, it is yeah. it is interesting to to look at these different periods in history. Excuse me, in periods in history, and and just look at what sort of parallels emerge, rather than sort of strain yourself trying to interpret uh, uh, what it might all mean. I I find that a lot of you know I, I, again I I'm going to use the word organic. A lot of it just sort of leaps out at you without you, you know if you if you do the history if you if you look at what's going on you don't need to do a lot of work trying to interpret it for you. The the, the history will do that that part for you. Yeah, it does kind of jump off the page at you. And, you know, another theme, and I'm just, you know, I'm just picking this out of thin air at the moment, but I'm wondering if there's a theme here that's sort of about the rise and the fall uh, of uh, democracy or of new uh, political systems. Do you see that at all in here? I mean, one of the things that just strikes me, and I don't know if this was even active at the time, is that the the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. Does it compare here at all to, you know, what, European England was going through that its golden age and uh and then of course the United States and its rise and you know where are we going in terms of that right right well i i mean it's it's um the 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 Romans of course never knew about uranus uh Absolutely. and to the de- and to the degree that I've studied roman history i I really haven't looked at the cycle of uranus. Uh, relative to their history, I'm a lot of my concentrated work. I mean, I have done some astrology of the Roman era, but my my the concentration of my astrological investigation uh, really comes down to looking at the last 200 years in great detail, and you know, hundreds of biographies and things like that. Um, I've got a variety of good reasons for doing things that way. Um, in terms of new political systems, I mean, the, I don't think you know, I don't think the, the subsequent transits of Uranus and Gemini have had much to do with with reinventing the United States in terms of its political structure. It's had pretty much the same 
basic structure since you know the the the, 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 the constitution yeah. conventions and all those things um and even you know at the time of of the american revolution well uh, you know the, that that political structure was not yet in place so it doesn't really have much to do with that um i think there is an irony in terms of of um the united states uh fighting its revolution one of one of the big sort of uh, alongside the british were the, uh, the the people known as the Haudenosaunee, uh, what we sometimes know as the Iroquois Confederacy. Now they, yeah. of course, had they had a, a functioning democracy and a participatory democracy. In other words, a, a, a more one could argue a, a more pure form of democracy than than the one that was that replaced it with the advent of the United States of America. Um, so it is so that that's sort of part of the story that I, I mean a lot of history is very ironic, um, and and it is sort of one of these sort of overlooked factors that that uh, you know one democratic nation you know talk about the fall of empires and when, I wouldn't say the Iroquois Confederacy was an empire but it was a tremendously well organized uh, society um, that that fell by the wayside due directly to the American Revolution. It was torn apart of the of the Six Nations. Four of them fought for the British. Two of them fought for the Americans. In the end, all of them lost their lands. Um, so there is there is something about you know uh, um, how that all came about during Uranus and Gemini that is interesting. It brings up I guess that 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 theme of imitation again. Um, some people have argued you know Benjamin Franklin certainly had 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 personal contact with the Iroquois Confederacy and and knew about their democratic system of of, of governance. Uh, and some people think it may have been, you know, part of the inspiration for, for you know, what went into the United States. Um, so there is, there, there, there's some of that in there. Um, insofar as the, the uh, American empire, if you, if you will, uh, is concerned, I, I think it's, it, it has more to do with the, the nation's identity, uh, which is a very intangible and elusive thing. I mean, even today, I think you could go into the streets of any American city, ask 20 different people what it means, you know, what, you know, what is the identity of the United States of America, and you'd get a bunch of different answers. You know, you yeah, might I hear some of the same, right. you know, you, you'd, you'd hear some of the same words, freedom and, and things like that over and over again. Um, but, it, it, you know, the, if you really got down to it, the, the, you're going to get a lot of different things. But in terms of how the country defines itself, that, that, that you know, in, in the broadest sense, that, that seems to really transform every time Uranus goes through Gemini. Um, and I know, and, I, and, and I'm sort of anticipating that, that you're, you're especially curious about this because, of course, we're only 12 years away from the next time Uranus is going to uh, go into Gemini. Right, which um, for listeners is in, is that July of 2025 or... Something like that, yeah. It's, it's yeah, definitely it's in 2025. July. Yeah, it's you know certainly in the year 2025. So it's 12 years from now. Um, and uh, while I, I don't, I don't sort of, I don't try to play Nostradamus and, and second guess, you know what what what's coming down the road. I mean, hopefully we all get to, um, you know, pass away uh, in our 99th year in our beds peacefully, uh, and never see, <laughs> you know. Uh, never see any any anything sort of horrible like our ancestors have. Um, right, that's another civil you know, war or, or another revolution or, or of something. Sort. Yeah, this, or world I mean, war. Right, you know, I mean, I, I you know perish the thought. Um, I, I I I guess I have to acknowledge that what has been consistent uh, when Uranus has been in Gemini is the United States has always been 
uh, thus far, the last three times, involved in a pretty major war, a war so uh, um, all-encompassing that it winds up redefining the, na- the nation by the end. Um, and the last time, with the end of the Second World War, you had the United States emerging as a world power, uh, and of course the introduction of, of uh, the, the book ends uh, with um, uh, not... <laughs> How does the book end? The book ends with with the United States leading a global coalition, you know, right. and 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 the you know not just the the United Nations, but uh, uh, you know NAFTA and and uh, not NAFTA. Um, NATO. I'm sorry. NATO. The, NATO. The NATO you. alliance. I was thinking NASA, NAFTA, uh, NATO. Jeez, <laughs> I wrote the book. You think acronyms. I would remember? Yeah, exactly. Um, but NATO um, creating you know for the first time a sort of multinational army, um, which I think has, you know, pretty long, it was a pretty new thing to introduce into the world. And of course, even though NATO was created in 1949, the NATO army uh, was not discharged into battle until 2001 with the invasion of Afghanistan. That was the first time NATO forces uh, were ever deployed. So it's, um, you know, it is, you know, even though the book has to do with all this sort of relatively ancient history, uh, you know, I mean, even the Second World War is something that my grandparents went through. Um, it, it does, the book does sort of look towards the future, even though it doesn't really say much about it. It does look towards it in anticipation and and draws all these sort of uh, lines from the past to the present and, and where things might be going. Um, well, yeah, so I, and of course know, we've got 12 years in between then and now Uranus is now in Aries creating yeah. its own sense of, of energies and, and you know, yes. changes in yes. the world. Uh, we still and, have Taurus, you, can already, you know, And you can already see that. You can, when, whenever, yeah. you know, just like the other three times, when Uranus was in Aries, you could already kind of see revolution or war, if you will, coming down the road. Um, in, the seven, yes. in, the, in the 1700s, when Uranus was in Aries, this is when the British started introducing things like the Stamp Act and all these all these things that the, the, the American colonists would object to, and, and it would, you know, build and build and build, and eventually you'd have the Tea Party, and then, of course, eventually when Uranus went into Gemini, the revolution itself. So in the 1700s, you, you saw Uranus, when Uranus was in Aries, as it is, in, as it is now, you already saw the storm brewing. Um, when it comes to the 1800s, when Uranus was in Aries, this is when the California Compromise was introduced. California had just been introduced as a state, uh, into the United States, and of course, some people wanted to make it a slave state, some didn't, and a compromise was introduced. And this was in 1850, 10 years before the Civil War. And a lot of people say, well, that sort of held up. The Civil War could have happened 10 years earlier if that California compromise hadn't gone through. You already saw the nation being greatly divided over the matter of slavery uh, by the time Uranus was in Aries in the 1800s. And then when you get to the 1930s, the last time Uranus was in Aries, well, that was when Hitler came to power. That was when he was elected chancellor and the, the Great Depression was happening. And you could already see all the, all the malaise and, the, and the, the, the lines being divided, the, everything that would sort of lead up to the Second World War. You could already see it on the surface, even though a lot of people were trying to sort of deny it or pretend it wasn't happening. Um, right. So, you know, certainly in our world today, we already see certainly the United States uh, you know, if you and I were never having this conversation, there are a lot of people out there 
who have not read my book and are not likely to read my book, who certainly talk about things like an impending American civil war and an impending revolution. Uh, hopefully, that's more you know talk than action. But uh, um, it, it, you know, I'm, I, even though I'm not out there saying it, you can see enough out in the. Uh, yeah. in, in, in the American political landscape to suggest that, indeed, you know, something of that nature might be brewing. Right. It seems to me that there's possibly another people's uprising in, in the offing here um, because it seems like, you know, with the advent of you know, Facebook and Twitter and, uh, yeah. you know, the Internet's huge popularity and reachability that we all have such quick access to each other, to an idea, uh, to a movement, and uh, sure. I, I certainly find that interesting as Uranus rules technology and, you know, the Internet, by, way, by, the, by the way. So here we have some interesting developments that, you know, have spurred on some of the uprisings that have happened, you know, perhaps like the Arab Spring and especially Egypt as, as yeah. things exploded there out of the blue just as Uranus moved yeah. into uh, Aries. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and, of course, the Occupy movement's more close to home. Yeah. Um, it, it's actually it's pretty common. When Uranus is in Aries, you do tend to see these popular movements. Um, you know, back in uh, in the 1800s, there were uh, uh, revolutions all over Europe in 1848 when Uranus was in Aries. And the, then, of course, back in the in the late 20s, early 30s, when Uranus was in Aries, you had a lot of these sort of you know unionist movements and 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 you know a lot of sort of political mobilization on behalf of the masses. Um, and even you know even the ascent of the Nazi Party in Germany, I suppose, can be uh, seen as a, as a form of that because you know in their own way they were uh, uh, they they emerged from a sort of popular movement of that sort. Although they had a leader, a lot of these when Uranus is in Aries, a lot of these movements are just sort of the people themselves without a sort of specific easily. A visible leader like a Napoleon or a, or a Washington or what have you. It, it tends to be the masses. Um, because you, what Uranus tends to do, to do is sort of pervert or upset the values associated with the sign. And Aries is a sign that likes a leader. So when Uranus is in Aries, you tend to see the, you know, it's not going to, Uranus is not going to give Aries what it wants. It's going to sort of turn the, 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 the interests of Aries on its head. In this case, uh, uh, these big, massive, leaderless movements—you know, be they the unions of the of the 30s or the the, the anti-monarchists of the of the 1840s or, or what have you—yeah, certainly interesting times that we live in. Um, so, you know, Nick, we've got just about seven or eight minutes left here, and I want to know what is it that you're working on next? Because, of course, you've got a lifelong follower here with me. <laughs> and I've got to know what's well, next for Nick. Well, um, Uranus USA is is just a, a, a first issue. There will be other books about Uranus uh, down the road, um, but the next book is going to be about Venus, my my pet subject, um, and um, it, it will also be a graphic novel. It'll also be the first in a series. So what I'm doing, it's sort of like the way back in the 80s, Steven Spielberg would sort of alternate between, you know, Indiana Jones franchise and and, and, and doing other <laughs> movies. I'm going to yeah. be doing a lot of different sort of series at once. There'll be a Mars series eventually, probably a Neptune series eventually. Um, but I, I have so much material that I can only do them one book at, at a time. So the next book will be on Venus. 
Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I've already got its sequel planned, let alone it. Uh, oh, but my it's goodness. the heart. It's it's the hard work of of writing it and designing it and all that 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 uh, uh, takes time. Um, and and like I said earlier, I don't think it'll take as much time to get it into print as it has this time. Uh, well, yeah, but, you've uh, already yeah. you've broken the ground on that one, so you'll you'll exactly, know what to do exactly. next time. I, I, I've certainly learned a lot when it comes to self-publishing. Um, yeah. I wanted to say one thing about uh, um, very contemporary history. We we had a royal birth this week. And uh, as, as people know, the, the, the child's name is George. And on the subject of Uranus, this is something I mentioned in the book, but uh, back in 1781, when William Herschel discovered the planet, he didn't want to call it Uranus. That name came later. He didn't choose the name Uranus, nor did he even... He, uh, some people are aware that the, before it was called Uranus, the planet was called Herschel after its discoverer. But he didn't give it that name either. The, plan, the name he wanted to name... Uranus. He wanted to name it after his king, George. So um, <laughs> if, it, if it had been up to him, Uranus would have been called George or Georgius Sidious, uh, which is uh, Sidium, which is the Georgian star, Latin for the Georgian star. Um, so I find it very interesting that uh, there have been other King Georges uh, since then. King George III was, the, was a Gemini who had Uranus conjunct the sun at the time of the American Revolution. So right, it's very unpopular because of that. <laughs> Well, unpopular here. Uh, at the end of it, anyway. <laughs> unpopular in the United States. Um, yeah. But he was, you know, uh, the the Uranus. He is sort of your quintessential Uranian figure, uh, um, in that the planet was almost named after him specifically. Um, so here we have another future king of England who's named George, uh, and he got the name during a, a, a transit of Uranus square Pluto. Uh, very, you know, very interesting sort of little coincidence. But any time I hear the name George, if you go back and reread my book, Janet, you'll see the name George everywhere in 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 yeah, every chapter. I mean, of and I didn't put it together with the Uranus thing. I'm thinking more along the lines of that's a common name for people, you know, from that time period. Right. Uh, no, why, it's, it's, maybe. It, it, yeah, it's uh, it's no. There are a lot of Georges in in every chapter <laughs> in the book. At least one guy named George emerges. Uh, usually Bushes. more than one. George Bush. But, but there are the Bushes and George Marshall, you know, who was an important, uh, 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 you know, uh, war minister for both uh, Roosevelt and Truman. Uh, and then one of uh, uh, Lincoln's important generals in the Civil War's name was, was George. Um, <laughs> and, and, of course, is George Washington and King George. So there's, there's George all over the place. in Uranus And now USA. a new George emerges. Yes, yes. Perfect, and even, perfect. You know, even, even if you get out of out of politics, if you think of the Beatles, the most Uranian Beatle was George as well. So, you know, oh, just yeah. all around, there's, there's something about the name George that I, I can't help but associate with Uranus. It's the original name of Uranus, and, and there's just something Uranian about that name, and I think it's, I just wanted to comment that I think it's uh, wonderfully ironic that the royal family have chosen, uh, name, even though yeah. it's pretty, it's, yeah, they 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 draw from a pretty small pool of names. It must be admitted. I have to say, I I, I have suspected that they would go with the name of George because it's not you know, not like they're going to go with Randy or anything like that. They, <laughs> they've got oh, William, well, they've got Edward, they've got David. They've got, got it. it was George's turn to come back. That's uh, it. So so Nick, again, we're running out of time here. Give everybody again your email or your your website My and website. how they can get your book because I think this is worth reading. Everybody should read Thank this you. book. 
Thank you, Janet. My website is nickdaganbest.com, and the name of the book is Uranus USA, and uh, it's available immediately as ebook and very, very soon uh, in print, and uh, I hope you'll uh, keep visiting my website to be updated on my future book projects as well. I and can't thank wait. You, oh, by the way, what sign are you, Nick? I'm a Leo. A Leo. So we'll have to have a discussion on why Venus is so appealing to you. <laughs> Uh, uh, Nick, I want to thank you so much for being on my show today. I have really enjoyed uh, our conversation, and I look forward to everything uh, else that you're going to be doing in the near future. Um, For my listeners today, thank you for joining us. I want to leave you with a quote that I found today from Eric Francis Coppolini uh, on his uh, blog. It says, the energy right now is demanding enlightenment, which is applied awareness. It's demanding integrity, which is flexible strength. Our moment is calling for an equal blend of evolution and revolution, attention to the inner world and its outer expression. Next week, my guest will be celebrity numerologist Michelle Arbeau. And until then, everybody, have a stellar week. Thank you for joining us today on Living Astrology. You can reach Janet for readings at www.living-astrology.com or by email at janet at living-astrology.com. Do you have questions about how astrology works or questions about your own chart? Send them to me at dearastro at living-astrology.com. One show each month will be dedicated to answering your questions. Goodbye for now and have a stellar week. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.